So this morning, as we draw our attention to what the Bible says about our responsibility with kids and teaching kids, it's not just that we need to do it because God says so, but it also we need to do it because it's part of the growth of our church. And I think it's important as a church not only to recognize and know what's happening, to be praying with it, but also to be challenging ourselves. Where do we fit in that bigger picture? So this morning, uh, we're going to be looking, as Isaac had read, at uh, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. And I think the first thing that I want to point out is that children's ministry is really God's idea and not ours. And it's just with that thought, let's just have a word of prayer before we dive further into this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the time that we can be together. We thank you for the time to spend uh, together in your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would touch our hearts this morning and open our eyes uh, to understand the message that you have for us. Allow us to hear and to see and understand, God, where we need to respond to the words that you have in your word. For each one of us, it's going to be a little bit different. For each one of us in our journey of faith, we are experiencing you and encountering you and growing with you in a different way. But God, I pray that everyone, as we meet with you this morning, would walk away challenged by you. Father, I thank you for the worship. I thank you for the chance to sing together, sing praises to you, to join with kids and women and men and, and to be all united in our common worship of our God. You are holy. You are awesome. You do love us. And you command us to love you. And so I pray this morning that you would teach us not only how to love you better, but teach us more how we can pass it on to our kids. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Deuteronomy 6, um, as, as it's been read, and for some of you in the past, you may have looked at this, that this is really kind of a significant building block or base for family ministry. Um, I'm going to have to stand back here, apparently. Uh, specifically, just the perspective that the responsibility of the parents is really the main, it's the responsibility of the parents in a nuclear family to have, be the primary influences in a child's life. And, and that is 100% true. I mean, I'm, I, I don't think any of you will, will argue or discuss that with me from the perspective of the sheer volume of time spent with kids. They are your responsibility, parents, to teach them in the way that they should go. Deuteronomy 6 talks and speaks about that as well. And yet, when we look at this, these verses, it, in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5 and 6 and 7, those are the main areas that we're looking at, these words are, the, the words are written as this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you shall be today on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. One of the things I want to point out in this statement is this is not saying specifically to parents. This is not saying specifically to those who have children. 
the context for this is Moses giving the directions from God to the whole community of faith, the whole community, the people of Israel. And in different areas, there's specific people that are targeted, there's specific people, as you look through scripture, if there's an imperative that's going to a certain group, God is very intentional about that in singling out parents, teach your children, wives, love your husbands, husbands, love your wives. The, here, it's given as a general statement, which leads me to believe that whether you have children or not, it's still a responsibility that falls upon you to teach children. It says, people of Israel, teach your children. So where do we fit in that? Like I said, by and large, it's going to be the parent that's going to be the most, call it, influential from a quantitative perspective in the life of a child. Like, you will be with them all the time. Uh, I, have, I have two kids, five and seven, and especially over the past year and a half, we have spent a lot more time with them than we probably, probably would have. Um, but the reality is that as a congregation, we've got an opportunity as well to be involved in the lives of our kids. Now, I'm not saying that our responsibility as a congregation is equal to that of a parent. And I do have it on good authority that there are some people out there who I should not leave alone with my kids, um, more so because there probably will be a war on multiple levels if that ever happened. Um, and so you know best who and how you are. And I won't push that. Some people are just better equipped to engage with kids than others. But when we look at this command to teach our children, we need to recognize that this is a command that's important to God. And so it needs to be important to us too. Twice in this section of verses, Moses says, calls for the people to hear. Uh, it's not just a simple statement saying, just hear the words that I'm speaking at you or speaking to you today. But there's a subtle hear and obey associated with those words. God also associates blessing with those who hear and obey. You do these things and it will be right with you. It will be well with you. So how do we respond to that? We're called as a people to hear and obey God, to teach our children. How do we respond personally? And, and, and how do we respond corporately? This morning, I think it's important that we ask ourselves this question. Are we living out the significant command to teach your children here as a body of Christ at Christwick Baptist Church? What, what are we corporately as a body of Christ doing to support the role of parents as primary teachers in the lives of our children uh, to enforce and to encourage those teachings of love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might? Why does it, why does it matter? For some people who don't have children, this might be something that you're wrestling with as well, too. Well, that's something that does belong in the realm and responsibility of, of parents. And that is a significant question, too. Well, beyond the fact that if it matters to God, it should matter to us, I think it also should matter to us because we're talking about the next generation of the church. They are the future evangelists, teachers, pastors, shepherds, the future brothers and sisters in Christ that will be shoulder to shoulder with us in our effort and in our journey of faith. They're the next group that are gonna pass the torch on to the next group afterwards. So what kind of people do we want them to be? If nothing else, we need to invest in this next wave of Jesus' followers to continue to live out and proclaim the faith that God has given us, that we are participants in. 
it very much matters what it does, what we do to teach our children, because it's beyond us. It, it, it means everything to God, and it means everything to us, and it affects our future as a church as well. Focusing back on chapter 6, uh, one of the things that we're taught here concerns the duty of what God requires of his people. So it's summed up in this principle. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. In verse, in verse 2, Moses points out that God had began a relationship with the people and teaching them how to fear him. Not fear in terms of being afraid, but fear in terms of awe and worship and wonder and position. And now, through teaching of who he is and establishing his, his place in their lives, he's teaching the people how to love him. Looking at verses 4 and 5, um, this is a very important piece of literature in the Jewish faith. It's called the Shema. And for, for Jews especially, it, it's, their, it's the classic Hebrew confession of faith. It describes who God is and what our duty of love is towards him. Now, some people would compare this to our Christian tradition of the Lord's Prayer in terms of significance and in terms of place in, in, our, in our Christian traditions. Through these words, we see that God determines that loving him with your whole heart is obedience. It's the sign of obedience in him. And it says this is the supreme command. This is the top thing that we as Christians ought to be aspiring to. If there's nothing else that we do as Christians or maybe the building block of who we are as Christians as we engage with him, it's loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might. The most important thing that he wants from us is love. Now, many of us think that God demands other things of us, like our time, our money, our efforts, our submission. But the reality is when you get down to it, none of that other stuff is what he's really asking for. What he wants first and foremost is love from us. When we really love God with all of our heart and our soul and our might, then everything else we give. Think about it. If, if you love him first, everything else doesn't matter quite the same way. And it's a lot, not just easier, but you're willing to give up those things that sometimes we hold on to. I mean, consider the alternative. If you had to give up those things, not because you loved him, but because it was an obligation, or because you thought that you had to do it to earn something, at some point you would start, A, resenting God, or B, have a completely false perspective as to who he is. So your faith would become what? The reality, again, is that love is the most important thing that God wants from us. Everything else, if we don't do it out of love, is wasted. Right relationship with God does start with loving him. Moses then, in this passage, moves on to giving us tools and application and how we can keep this command to, uh, for the duty that people have to accomplish what, God, what has been commanded of them. In verse 6, he talks about it that we are to meditate on it personally. In verse 7, we're told to teach it to our children. In verse 7, also, there's uh, an emphasis on having these focused and intentional conversations of faith. And verses 8 and 9, it's a reminder that we need to develop these monuments and these, these things that point us back to God to have these conversations of faith with those who are around us and in our environment. And so we'll look at each one of those, each one of those four things a little bit more closely. 
So for the first thing, meditating on it personally. I think there's a personal response that each one of us has to have when we come face to face with that verse. We need to recognize that our relationship with God is first this personal, intimate, and relational thing. And it's just between him and you, him and me. I can, I can learn from others and I can be challenged by others, but no one else is responsible for my growth as a Christian, my growth as a, as a son of God, other than, than me and my relationship with him. I need to be reminded of that and dwell on that daily. To teach our children to do the same thing, it needs to come from a place of centeredness and wholeness within ourselves. We need to model it well so that we can teach it well. We, as parents, and in general, we teach not just by our words, but also by our actions. And I think, I know, that our children would probably be the first to see the hypocrisy in who we are if we were leading and teaching one way and living a different way. So to teach well, to teach our children well, first we need to live it well. Proverbs 23.7 says, What a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I think a very direct application of that is here right now, too. Our, our natural bent is not to dwell on the Lord. Um, I think in, in the New Testament, in different places, we, Paul talks about how he wrestles with the two spirits that are at war within him. And we have a temptation sometimes just to wander, whether it's our mind or our actions or our natural desires. It's very easy for us to start off well and then to take him off the throne and start putting something else up there. And I think one of the reasons why in, this, in these verses being told to meditate on the word day and night, when you lie down and when you rise. It's a reminder again to start and finish well with him, but also to consistently be reminding yourself who is on the throne. That our purpose is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our might. And that is both the first and last thing we should be thinking about. Verse seven, teaching our children. Even though these verses and even though this passage speaks about a number of different things, it does come back to teaching our kids. As a corporate body, it's not that, as we said, we're all to engage in the teaching, but we do have an opportunity corporately to support that, to support teaching our children to love God. I think it's first important that we support our parents. How can we support our parents to do the job that they're called to well? To be supporting them, to be praying them, to be encouraging them, and to be providing tools for them so that they can grow and be encouraged and to be strengthened in their teaching as parents. I think we need to be also praying in general for the children in our fellowship, for their lives and for their salvation. We also have an opportunity to create an environment here that focuses their attention and focuses uh, their learning on God. It would be good for us to have this perspective, whether it's from infant to adolescent, whether it's from the front pulpit, but also in the back rooms as we are doing our teaching, things that are appropriate to the kids so that they can actually learn, so that they can grow, so that they can be challenged, so that they can dive deeper into their relationship with God. This isn't just for knowledge or faith in, the ch- in our children. Um, this also promotes the continuity of this redemptive movement that God has us on for salvation of the lost. These kids are gonna be our next pastors. These kids are gonna be the next teachers. The next core believers are gonna take the gospel into our communities in Guelph and Ontario and Canada and beyond. 
they're going to be our peers and brothers and sisters in Christ. What kind of person do you and I want to serve beside as well? This is what we are called to do as we teach our kids. It's investing in them as they continue to serve and grow into what it is that God is calling them to be. For those of us that are called to teach, whether it's parents or those that are specifically called to engage with children, that means developing an intentional environment to have these focused conversations of faith. Looking at verse 7, it's not just that it's focusing specifically on children, but more of a, a general principle to be teaching and to be modeling it in the lives of everyone that's around you. This directive or duty to engage with those that are with you as you're in your house or as you're walking. When you go and lie down to sleep and when you rise in the morning, it's meant to emphasize the importance of active faith. How does loving God with all you are permeate into the, all the other areas of your life? And how do you engage with other people in it? What we see again here is the significance and the responsibility of family ministry. Um, again, your parent, you as parents are going to lead and engage with your kids 95% of the time there in those formative years of their lives. But where possible, we do have the corporate opportunity and responsibility as a church to engage with these kids. So how do we do this? Consider how the Jewish people responded to that command. For the Jew, it became this daily ritual and practice to recite the Shema, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, in the morning, or actually at night and in the morning. They did it twice a day. The directive was to engage conversation throughout the day in the environment they found themselves in, in their house or in their everyday activities, in their comings or their goings. If the people had observed and did all of those things, think what kind of environment would have been created for those kids. Think of all the conversation and all the reminders that would have been there, focusing thought back to God, explaining why we love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. As parents work to create those environments in homes, we can do that here too to have that intentional approach in worship and corporate teaching that not only points to God, but also models and engages our kids in a way that challenges them and prompts those conversations of faith. I love when we were teaching this past, uh, this past year to send kids home with some take-home sheets and they would engage with some of their kids during the week and there'd be these reminders of what we had studied on the Sunday that would pop up throughout the week. And it was great to hear back from parents who who use those sheets, but also from kids who would say, hey, this came up, we talked about this at home. And it was neat to be able to share some of that ministry with parents and help support some of those areas too. The reality when it comes to Sunday is if it's just this focused teaching that we have up here right now, uh, the comprehension of a five-year-old is not quite gonna be at the same level as a 35-year-old or a 55-year-old. And if we teach at the higher, what's happening to the lower? Or if we teach at the lower, what's happening to the higher? So it's so significant that we do create these spaces where we can have that intentional teaching in a way that kids can engage and respond. Finally, in verse 8, we're told to have these frequent rem reminders of the faith and commandment to love God with all of our heart. In verse 8, I don't know where to stand here. In verse 8, it says, You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. These commands to, to write them on their hands and to, to, uh, to bind them to their foreheads uh, was what developed into the practice of wearing phylacteries. Now, phylacteries are these little boxes that would often get tied to the hand or tied to the forehead with these leather straps. And in the New Testament, Jesus actually criticizes the Pharisees about these phylacteries. It's not the wearing of the phylactery itself which was bad. I mean, that was actually an interpretation of the command that God had. But it was more so all the attention that the Pharisees were drawing to how big or how ornate or how expansive this phylactery was. They're drawing attention to themselves instead of using those as tools to remind themselves the command to love God. The other thing about writing these words on the doorposts and the gates, uh, that became something that was known as the, as the mezuzah, a, a tiny container that was holding a passage of scripture that was either nailed to the doorpost or the lintel. And in today's age, a lot of times you still see that. You can see if you go into a Jewish family's home, you'll see something mounted on the side, and that's the reminder to love the Lord your God. These visible reminders would evoke this question, why? Think of your kids. If you started walking around with a box strapped to your forehead every day, what do you think they would say to you? First, they probably wouldn't, they would say, do not drop me off at school. But the next thing they would probably ask is why? Why are you doing that? Having these tools isn't just a reminder for the person, but it also helps create this environment where you can actually engage and challenge your kids and have those conversations about God. One of the things that I think that, uh, one of the stories that I, that I read um, that is a great example of this is what comes shortly after all these words Moses tells the people of Israel. And it's the words uh, that we found, find in Joshua 4. Joshua 4, verses 5 to 7 says, And Joshua said, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up a strong Take up a stone upon your shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be assigned to you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? You shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters were cut off. And so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. This wasn't for ceremony or tradition that Joshua ordered this done. I bet you, the people of Israel still had the words of Moses ringing in their ears when he, when he shared with them the commandment and the covenant and, and the laws that were given in Deuteronomy. And this reminder, Joshua caused something to be made that would intrude into the everyday life of kids, everyday life of all of the people that were around and caused them to question, why? Same as the phylactery, same as the mezuzah, why do we have these things here? And it would point them back to God. How do we make space in our lives or in this church to invite questions, to invite children to ask those questions about God's power and strength, faithfulness and character? What can we do to nurture that curiosity in him? Teaching children is God's idea. It starts with him. We join him in it and we respond to it by doing these things. It's not simply an Old Testament truth, but it's a biblical principle found consistently throughout scriptures. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
I mean, here you are thinking that I was talking about kids, and I throw a missions verse in there. And the reality is it's the same thing. We're not talking about missions. We're not talking about children's ministry. We're talking about discipleship. What is it that the Son has commanded the disciples as they've been charged to teach the disciples of all nations? That commandment is found back in Matthew 22, 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law of the prophets. Sound familiar? It's the same command from God through Moses in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 6. Love God with all that you are, teach your children and those around you. Reiterated by the Son, love God with all you are, and teach everyone around you in the world to do the same. Initially, when Rick had asked, or when I was told that I was speaking about children's ministry this morning, my initial thought, well, this is a little bit out of the ordinary or the norm for someone who just speaks about wells and actively going out and serving in in parts around the world and, and a challenge for missions. Uh, But the reality is that at the core of this, whether you're serving halfway around the world, digging a well, building a house, sharing the gospel to the lost, or walking 25 feet down that hallway into the room where you've got 12 to 16 kids, it's the same thing. We've been saved by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and we've been brought to that knowledge by the Holy Spirit and guaranteed a place with the Father in heaven. In response to that, we're called to actively live out our faith and to figure and to, to our life of salvation. Whether we think we're qualified or not, we've been called to serve King Jesus in the areas that he does call us to. So what does that calling look like in your life? What does it look like in mine? What are you passionate about in, as a response to the salvation that God has given you? Evangelism, mission service, pastoral works, young adults ministry, children's ministry, men's or women's ministry, working with seniors' homes, hospitality, serving the vulnerable, the weak, the orphan. That that list goes on in terms of areas that God calls us to engage with him in. We're equally called to love God. And the Father has poured out the Holy Spirit on us so that we are given the means to do that. Here at Crestwick, we have an opportunity to invest in our kids, to come alongside parents and families to support them in the task they've been given to be the primary teachers, caregivers, and investors in the lives of their children. And we are called to do our part where possible to teach our, our kids to love God as much as possible, wherever possible, all the time, anywhere. Yes. We need teachers. Yes, we need people to join the programs that I can develop and walk and grow with the kids. But even more than that, we should all be united in wanting to see God, see the next generation of Jesus followers grounded in their faith and ready to stand for God. They aren't the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Our kids are facing real struggles and trials in the schools and in the places they're going into. And they're gonna be called to live out their faith in very real ways. This is a real way to love the body of Christ here at Crestwick and to engage in response to the commands of the Father and the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Love God with everything. Teach others to do the same. To close, John 14, 21 says this, the one who has my commands and keeps them, that's the one who loves me. 
He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will reveal myself to him. May we each recognize the opportunities we have to walk in our, to grow in our walk with the Lord, and to choose to be obedient to the one who calls us, not in our strength, but in his. May we be obedient to his command to love him with everything that we are, and to teach that to our children.